the corner. Hyman without a stick. Ready to start on the top of one. Block. He's got it again. Matthews to center. And Emirati Created by diehard Leeds fans for diehard Leeds fans. This is the Holy Mackinac Podcast with Clayton Terrio, Danny Horton, and Brett Wills. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Holy Mackinac Podcast. I hope your uh, summer and off season went well. And uh, welcome back, Danny and Brett. And uh, how are you guys doing today? How, how are we feeling? Feeling good, man. Ready to go again. I'm ready to be heard all over again. You know, it, it, it's early October, but it uh, it hurts so good. It hurts so so good. Definitely can can concur with that one. It's been uh, it it honestly with the like it went a little longer because of COVID and the the travel after the first round, mm-hmm. but. It, it felt like longer than ever this time for some reason. I don't know if, I don't know if I was just still anxious from the, the game seven heartbreak again, but I mean, I'm, I'm ready again. I hope, uh, I hope they don't hurt us too bad, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. And uh, so as we were discussing earlier, all or nothing is uh, what we're going to touch on first, because that was, that was a hell of a series. I thought it was it was really well done, and it really made me appreciate the players a little bit more. Like, obviously, it sucks we lost, but it it kind of makes you a little bit more. It it humanizes them a little bit better, and I thought it was really good. And we'll we'll start with you, Danny. What did you think of the series? Like, what was your g- give me like your top three standouts that you thought was were interesting in the series? Well, it's interesting, right? Because when you start watching this series, like you have inevitably know the conclusion, right? You know what's going to happen at the end. We we watched it all season long. So I don't know. I just kind of watched it for what it was, to be quite honest with you. I enjoyed the little interactions behind the scenes. Like you mentioned, it humanizes the players a little bit. Um, you, it takes you inside the dressing room and it gives you a little bit of that uh, that team dynamic and how the boys interact on a day-to-day basis. And what they kind of have to go through. I enjoyed that. My my favorite quote or takeaway from the whole thing, because it's true, was Paul McLean. I can't remember if it was after the game six loss in Montreal or just after they they lost and they were debriefing um, in the war room, kind of so to speak, with uh, Sheldon Keefe and the management team. When he looked at Keefe and the and the other uh, and the other management team members and said, "These guys have demons." They have de- they see demons in their room. They see demons in their car. They come to the rink. They see demons. I, I think it's true, right? It's it's five straight years of first round exits in the playoffs. If you even if you want to count the Columbus one, I I kind of do. Uh, even though it was a play in technically, I still count that as a first round loss. Um, they they're fighting demons in their own heads. And Paul McLean, right after that, he said, "Our biggest hurdle is ourselves." And honestly, as a as a guy who watches, as a Leaf fan who watches this team day in and day out, and I breathe Maple Leaf hockey, that's honestly how I felt. There was nothing in that docuseries that surprised me at all. You know, you hate, well, you love and you hate seeing the players dejected after that Game 7 loss, right? 
obviously you don't want to see anybody upset, but at the same time, seeing them upset kind of makes you realize how much they truly care, right. About, about the team, the organization and, you know, and personal success too. Right. They're just as embarrassed as the fans are, if not more, they're the ones that have to live it and deal with the constant criticism day in and day out. Um, so th- that's really my takeaways from the whole series. I, I enjoyed the series, but I like how Paul McLean, Sheldon Keefe, the management team were pretty direct with the players. Kyle Dubas was kind of, he coddled them a little bit, but you know, you, you always have to have the the one that's sort of nice to them and gives them the positive because Sheldon, Sheldon's the guy that has to give it to them on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes it's nice to have somebody in your corner too, right? And go a little bit easier on you. I felt like that was Kyle's role. He was very compassionate, very caring to the players. That was my takeaway from there. Sheldon's very fair with the players and he doesn't care who you are in the lineup. I really like that. And I respect that about the coach. He didn't care if it was Austin Matthews when Matthews uh, during that series made, uh, made a comment to the media about, um, I forget what game it was, may have been uh, the first or second game of the season. And he made comments like, yeah, we just didn't, uh, we just didn't play uh, up to standard or whatnot. And Sheldon corrected him, went on the ice and they had the mic'd up and he went over and he dressed it with Matthews. Um, I, I thought he was great in the day-to-day interactions, but um, I'm, I'm just super excited to get this season going. These guys have a lot to prove, a lot to prove. I really don't have an expectation of the group. I don't want to get caught up in that. I think they're going to be good, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. We were all there last year. We all thought great things were going to happen with this group. Let's get through the regular season. Let's try and have a good regular season and see what happens because they have a lot to prove. Definitely. And it was a great series. I I kind of watched it for what it was too, but it, it is definitely a good perspective. Brett, well, what did you think of it? Well, what are some of your takeaways from it? You know, like Danny said, and I mean, like it, it's hard, right? Like the three of us are probably some of the most passionate Leaf fans I'll, I'll ever meet in my life. And it, it um, like Danny said, it humanizes each and every one of those guys that puts on the blue and white. It, uh, it humanizes, uh, Sheldon Keefe, it humanizes our uh, GM and Kyle Dubas. Like um, none of them have an easy job, and we have to we have to remember this is their job. We 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 go. We're lucky enough that we get to go to Scotiabank Arena to watch them do their job. Like what other what other industry besides professional sports gets scrutinized? with a microscope uh, by the general public. You know what I mean? Like, and and I get it. You've got fans that are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. If they're sitting in the platinum seats to watch a team that they hope when it wins the Stanley cup, but um, it, it, it was, it, it was really nice to watch, but it was really hard to watch sometimes. I, I sat through it in an afternoon, and my emotions were all over the place. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I, I watched all of it in a day as well because I was just so intrigued by it. But my one of my biggest takeaways was Keith, like, the, the way he holds his players accountable. Like, I, I kind of thought he was uh, – 
I don't know how to word this, not necessarily a fluke, but I kind of thought he was a little flaky as a coach, just, just from seeing him on TV. Like, I know it's hard to make that assumption just seeing them on the cameras, but I really thought he held them accountable. And Danny, you're right. He does treat them all the same. Like Matthew says something, he goes up to him and says like, man, you got to watch, got to watch it. Like, you know, don't necessarily speak before you think, always think before you speak. Same with Jimmy VC. He went up to him and said, man, you've been here for two months. Like, what's your role? I don't know what your role is. You've been here for literally eight weeks and you haven't shown me that you belong on this team. And as hard as that is to do, you have to do it. And that part, that part actually kind of made me a little upset, like not upset, but sad too for VC. Like the guy was a Hobie Baker award winner goes to New York absolutely crumbles under the pressure as far as I'm concerned. Like other than Toronto and Montreal, MSG is probably the third artist to play in, in the league. Really? I mean, if you think about it and then he goes to the Leafs crumbles again, I just don't think he's fit for the main stage. I think he's going to be up and down from the minors for his whole career. And then the other thing I agree with you both is Dubas. Like he just cares. You can tell he cares about the team and, yeah, he coddles them a little bit, but he also tells them how it is. Like the scene with Makayev where he brings him in and says, like, are you happy here? Like, I want to make sure you're as happy as you can be and let me know if you need anything. And it was was really nice to see. So I think I think we all pretty much have the same takeaways there, but a little bit different. Um, and then so that brings us to the preseason. And so the Leafs signed – I'm just going to pull up the lineup now just to show – like the difference between the last few years, but there it is there. So we've got cash there on the right wing comp uh, buntings in there, Nick Ritchie's in there. Um, and then Amadio's down there scratched. And then obviously one of the big signings in terms of cash value was Mrazic. Now, what do you guys think? Who, who were some of your standout players this preseason? Danny, I'll start with you again. Who did you like? Give me your top three. We'll say top three each of who was good in the preseason. Sure. Okay, that, that's on the roster here. Uh, top yep. three. Okay, for me, the first, I think it was two or three preseason games, specifically, Michael Bunting was fantastic. He was excellent. He really stood out to me. I really liked his speed. I liked his tenacity on the forecheck. He was always in the play, mixing it up in front of the net, not afraid to go there, and he scored some goals. I know it's preseason. But still, I, I liked his game, regardless of the goals being scored. I just liked the game, and I liked where he went. Uh, and he, he was in the mix there, forechecking hard and whatnot, working hard on every shift. Um, Nick Ritchie and limited action in the preseason. Uh, and mind you, we haven't seen him yet with Austin Matthews. He has skated with Mitch Marner. I thought the two developed some chemistry. I didn't think they were going full out. I guess the only thing I want to see with Nick Ritchie is consistency. Um, I liked how he was standing up for some teammates and he was being a little bit physical here and there. He's picking his spots in the preseason. I think the biggest knock on Nick Ritchie has always been his, his consistent work ethic. It hasn't been there yet. The guy's got talent. We could see the talent that he has. I want to see if he could put it together playing with Matthews and Marner when Matthews is healthy and in the lineup. Um, and the other player, and, and I never thought I would say this. I, I want to get a shout out to David Camp. Before I, before I get on to, to the next player, uh, honorable mention in my mind, I thought Camp has, has been excellent. Um, he's as, as advertised. He's just a steady, reliable center. 
a good two-way center, right? Uh, I don't expect him to put up a whole lot of points. Anything that he does provide is, is bonus, but he's developed a lot of chemistry with Andre Kasha. Um, I'm curious to see eventually when Alex Kerfoot gets on that line, I think that could be a really good defensive line that can actually contribute a little bit defensively. But the third player that actually impressed me, and you guys might be a little bit surprised of this because I kept knocking the guy, you know, when we, when we recorded the first three podcasts, I didn't think he'd be anything, but I have to say, honest to God, Timothy Lilligren has looked really good in the preseason. I know they paired him with Jake Muzzin, the two games that he, that he played in the preseason with Jake Muzzin, I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked really comfortable and composed. It actually shocked me. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. He's still got a battle to get in the lineup. I think Travis Dermott will get the first nod uh, paired with Sandine on opening night due, due to um, Dermott's more experienced of a defenseman. But I'm curious to see what Lilligren can do when he gets the opportunity in the lineup because – I was quite impressed and I'm not the biggest fan of Timothy Lilligren. So th- those were the guys that really stood out to me. Um, really like Jack Campbell's game as well. I know I've, I've been on the record before to say that I'm still wearied to see if he's a start, he's a full-time starter or not, but I have to say the last two games specifically that he's played, and I know it's preseason, but I really, really liked his game. He looks solid. He looks composed and he looks confident in the crease. And that's a great sign for us. Yeah. And that's another thing I noticed from the, uh, the documentary was like his confidence just kept going up and up. And I hope, I hope that it continues because man, you got to love the guy. You can't hate Jack Campbell. He's just the nicest, sweetest human being you will ever meet. And you cannot help but cheer for him. What about you, Brett, in the preseason? Who who has stood out to you? You know, um, and we've talked about this before. Um, Jack Campbell is honestly, he's my new favorite Maple Leaf. Um, I, I know that there's uh, a bunch of guys that skate in front of him. And if they play like garbage, then uh, chances of the puck going in the net, uh, it, it, it's uh, accelerated. But uh, Jack Campbell just... Uh, watching that series and uh, just seeing how, how much this team means to him and how much the guys mean to him. Um, being in Toronto, being around these players, um, Jack, Jack Campbell by far is, um, I'm expecting very, very big things from Jack Campbell this year. And um, I don't know if he'll be here by the end of the year, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um there, there's, there's a couple of guys on here that I, I'm surprised are on here, but they're left wings, and I know that there's a couple of guys that are right wings that really uh, I, I feel need to, need to be given a chance. But uh, yeah, I want to slide them in on the left wing. Um, I don't like Alex Kerfoot. I don't like Pierre Engvall. And maybe I'm going off script here, uh, Clay. Um, you, you were asking me about who I liked. Um, I, I usually go against the ring. Um, so, um, but uh, I thought that the part of this offseason was to try and find somebody that had a little bit of sandpaper. And he had limited minutes in the preseason, but I really liked Curtis Gabriel. I really thought that 
I thought I thought he would fit in here somewhere, and and it, it's really really unfortunate that he plays on that right side because that right side is really really solid. Um, I guess um, if uh, Kasha gets injured, maybe Simmons slides up to third line, and uh, you can put Gabriel on the fourth line. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. I hope Andre Kasha has a has a solid year. And he plays as many games as possible, but uh, I, I was just—I I really like the addition of Curtis Gabriel here in Toronto. Um, and uh, if he's playing uh, for the the Maple Leafs or the Marlies, I, I really don't care. I—I uh, I just I want to see what he brings to the table. Um, we, we've been talking about guys like Lilligren and Sandine, and uh, their small sample size. But uh, I'm expecting big things from them. And um, we talked about it again last year. Uh, Travis Dermott. Tra Travis Dermott. If he doesn't have a good 20, first 20 games, I'd sit him. I would sit him and let him think about what he's doing and maybe sli sliding Lilligren in there somewhere. I, I think so. Like, I know you really like Dermot and I do too, but it, he's definitely on his last legs in Toronto. I think like you're right. If he doesn't have a f good first, even 15, 20 games, he's probably going down to the Marlies or, or being traded somewhere. I mean, I, I think he's, he's up, but if, if I, if Lilia Grin did come in, I think he would like you could put him almost anywhere. Like, I don't know. I'd put him with Muzzin and I'd put Hall with Sandine. What do you guys think there? Uh, like, I think so. Uh, I, I think so. I, I like those pairings. Um, I, I think that, um, yeah, M M Muzzin, Muzzin is a really good hockey player. He's a, he's a veteran. Uh, put, put, put that, put Lilligren with him. And, um, I, I don't see why that wouldn't be a bad pairing. Definitely. Danny, what do you think? What are what are some like like changes you'd make based on this lineup? Other than obviously Matthews is out and Amadio slides in somewhere in there, depending on where they decide. But if you were to change something, what would you change? Oh, you're muted. Yeah, no, sorry, Clay. Um, okay. Yeah, if if I could go back uh, first before I get into you know my thoughts on the overall lineup and if I'd make any changes or whatnot, one guy that I forgot to mention and I don't know how. I think it's because I didn't see him. He was down over in uh, long term injury reserve. Ilya Mikheyev has had a very very strong preseason. Um, my only question mark, and I think probably the question mark of a lot of Leaf fans is. How much offense can he actually produce? Because I'll tell you, his tenacity on the puck, his speed on the forecheck, his ability to turn pucks over is absolutely brilliant. And I really like the chemistry he was building with John and Willie on that second line. That could be a really dangerous second line. He was looking really good to me. Um, it was a great opportunity for Ilya Mikheyev, a guy who's requested a trade in the offseason because he wanted to be in the top six. They were giving him that opportunity. He was proving uh, proving himself to be right. Um, it's a shame that he broke his uh, that he broke his thumb. Now he's out eight weeks. It's it's a shame that was just released tonight. It's unfortunate, um, but now it looks like Michael Bunting's going to get that opportunity. 
Um, as far as the lineup, like obviously boys, we're, we're looking at a lineup here on our screen that um, will not be reflective of, uh, of Wednesday night's lineup. Uh, cause Matt Matthews isn't out, yeah. um, or sorry, Matthews is not in Matthews is out, just came out that he's out the first three games, uh, of the season to start. Um, and then we'll, he'll be reevaluated re and go from there. Um, but I, I, if you look at the forward group, like honest to God, I know, and I don't care what the media says, this is my opinion. The media, the media is not, you know, the Leafs have lost. They lost um, Zach Hyman in the offseason. They lost, uh, you know, Joe Thornton. They lost uh, Nick Felino. Honest to God, and I wish we had the graphic. I wish we can go and find it. Uh, last year's starting lineup to start the season. This group right here, look at the depth in that lineup. That's with McKayev out of the lineup. And I know we're talking with Matthews in here and we're, we're seeing the group. But when Mikheyev is in, that pushes Engvall out. Engvall would not be in the lineup. And I know, Brett, you, you mentioned that you didn't care for uh, Pierre Engvall. I think Pierre Engvall could be a very useful player in this lineup. His speed, his tenacity on the puck, he just has to find a role and stick to it on the team and basically work hard every night. I think he could be an extremely valuable player um, in the bottom six group. My biggest question mark with the entire team is on the, D, on the defensive end of things. Um, you guys were mentioning and referencing that, you know, maybe you put Lilligren with Muzzin and I, I had already mentioned earlier that I thought they looked really good together and it actually, it sort of settles Lilligren in T to me, that's really the only way. And I don't, I don't know if they're going to do it to me. It really concerns me going with either Dermot Sandine, Sandine Lilligren or Lilligren and, and Dermot paired on that, uh, on that third pair, um, Man, oh man! Uh, to me, that's like a four-checking, uh, four-checking lines dream for the opposition. They can really rock them hard and really turn over the puck. If I were Sheldon Keefe, I'd be nervous to put that group out. Like we're going to see on Wednesday night against Montreal. Montreal obviously likes to dial it up physically. That's part of their game: use their speed and dial it up physically on the Leafs and try and intimidate and trying to turn puck pucks over. It makes me nervous. To see if that if that uh, defensive pair gets stuck out there for a long period of time, I think it could be a real problem. So I wouldn't be too surprised if, like, say the Leafs don't get off to a great start, not just in that game, but overall at the beginning of the season. Um, maybe they look to kind of switch up the pairs. I wouldn't touch Riley Brody. I think that's a really good pair for for Morgan and TJ Brody. He's just fantastic. He's he's an underrated defenseman in my opinion. Um, very, very good. Does nothing flashy, just brilliant defensively. He does so many little plays that helps this team. Um, other than that, goaltending, you know, it's still, in my opinion, a little bit up in the air. Um, I'm encouraged what I've seen in the preseason. Uh, Jack looks solid in his final two preseason starts. I thought Peter Morazic looked pretty good in his starts as well. Um, there's a couple goals here or there, but it's preseason and, you know, they're kind of working the kinks out. Um, you know, me, I wasn't totally sold on a tandem in net, mm -hmm. but I'm starting to sort of see where it helps, like namely the back to back to start the season, right? We've got Montreal on Wednesday night, and then we play Thursday night in Ottawa for their home opener. In the past, we would have sort of a weaker backup goalie and a tired lineup. And that team just sitting there waiting for us could feast on us. Yeah. At least we have 
more of a capable goaltender to, to go in there. The one being, I guess that's sort of the train of thought. Uh, you don't burn out your, your starter. You kind of have two of them and you roll with them. So it's starting to grow on me a little bit, but I don't want to get too excited yet. Let's see how it kind of plays out. But overall, I'm impressed with the lineup. I really like the forward group. I'm just cautiously optimistic on the defensive end and in net. 100%. I can agree. But like it, in terms of Brody, like the, the one thing I think quietly, he was our best defenseman last year. Like I really do. I think he's just so quietly good at his position and that's a good thing. We don't need a flashy guy. Just do your job and, and get it over with. That's really it. In terms of goalies, I can agree, but I, I think there's potential if they both split, if they split the season, I think it could be better than we even realized, but they got to play to show us. So we, we will see. And then, so obviously there's our thoughts for the lineup for game one, but what do you guys think is going to happen in game one? Like just let's do prediction of score and just thoughts about what you think is going to happen. I guess, Danny, go ahead. Prediction of game one. Um, That's a hard one, right? Because I guess all along, I was hoping that Austin Matthews would be ready to play. Um, and I honestly, honest to God, like watching this group in the preseason, I've been very encouraged by the forward group. And I was really looking forward to see a full lineup. Now we won't get to see that at full strength. Um, so I'm curious to see, curious to see where our depth and scoring is going to come from, right? Because Johnny's going to, here, actually, I want to bring this up. Um, let me see if I can share this screen. Here we go. Let's maximize this. So John Tavares is going to move up and he's going to play in Matthew's spot there on the top line uh, with Marner and Richie. And I know a lot of Lee fans, myself included, uh, kept saying after last season, we'd like to see John play with Mitch again because Mitch is a, he drives the line. Uh, He really creates a lot of offense. And I think John struggles to create offense, but he can still put the puck in the net. So I'm curious to see if that combination does well right off the bat. If when Matthews is healthy, does he come back and play with Willie and Bunting on the second line to start? I'm curious to see. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but uh, it's just a thought. But anyway, um, we're going to see how John, Nick Ritchie, and Mitch Marner, uh, see if they can develop a little chemistry right off the bat. This is what I mean by secondary scoring. I do not think Alexander Kerfoot is a center iceman. I like him much better on the wing. Uh, even though he's good defensively down the middle, I do not. He, he does not put the puck in the net down the middle. He does not drive a lot of offense. Um, I understand why they have to put him there, uh, well, obviously with the injury to Austin Matthews, but uh, boy, the lineup looks so much better, even just with one one or two guys missing. You have Matthews in there. That slots Johnny down. It slots Kerfoot down to the wing. Engvall goes down to that third unit, or sorry, to the fourth line. Just makes the team so much deeper. But let, let's see. We don't have Carey Price in net uh, to start the season for Montreal. Uh, we all hope that he gets better and t- takes the takes the necessary time that he needs. But um, let's see. If I had to predict a score, this is just off the cuff of my head. Um, I, I'm going to say 3-2 Toronto, and that's purely based on bias because I think Montreal has a pretty deep lineup too. All right. Sounds good. Brett, what do you think? What do you think of the starting lineup? And uh, give us your 
give us your score prediction. So I'm going to give you the score prediction first. Um, I, I think the Leafs can pull it off 3-2, but it'll probably be in overtime. Um, with, with Matthews out, just like Danny said, um, it, it, it's still a good lineup. It, but um, when you when you've got that uh, that first line center position, and I mean I guess you could fl- flip a coin there though though right, um, it, it it'll be tough for the first uh, the first few games. But um, there there's the thoughts of an optimist, and then there's the thoughts of a realist. I'm trying desperately to be the optimist but I'm going to be the realist for the first three weeks of the season and um, I mean if they can play 600 hockey the first three weeks of the season I'll be happy yeah like look look at just take a look at that Montreal lineup they've got some depth to it like obviously no superstars or anything like that but balance and and keep in mind Mike Hoffman's not in the lineup either for them, right? There's some balance. Like Brendan Gallagher's now on the third line, boys. Yeah, that's that is a deep lineup. It's it, there's no, oh my god, I'm scared of him, guys. But there's definitely some some gamers. I think Dvorak is a big addition. I uh, as you guys know, my Make a Wish trip when I was younger was Arizona, so I've always kind of admired the Coyotes. As much as that's a weird team to like, I just I'll always like them because of my trip. And Dvorak is a gritty, the greasy rat player that Keith describes Bunting as. Like, just gets in the corners, pisses you off a little bit, and and knows how to get under your skin and draw a penalty. My prediction, and please don't hate me, Leafs Nation, but my prediction is going to be four three Montreal in overtime. I just I don't know I. I they're a lot grittier. It's like, I, I really hope that that Bunting and Richie really ramp up the physicality for us because I think that is one of the main reasons that the Leafs did not make it past round one. They outhit us in every game, and we expected our superstar center Iceman to lead the team in hits, which was not good enough. So I, I'm i hopeful. I'm like, Brad, I'm a realist. I'm not going to not gonna plan the parade. I'll believe it when I see it, but... Yeah, those are our uh, bold predictions for game one. Well, I, I get, I can see where you're going there, Clay. On, yeah. Honest to God, man. I can see where you're going there. Um, just touching on the Leafs lineup again. Like, yeah. look, look at the depth when you take Matthews and Mikheyev out. Like, Matt, Matthews is so huge, right? And that's why you pay the guy $11-plus 11, $11 million a season. Um, he, he's your big scorer. He's the best goal scorer in the league, right? He's the one, he's the, that's the reason why he's the Rocket Richard Trophy winner, the reigning Rocket Richard Trophy winner. Um, so they are going to be tested. I could totally see what you're talking about. That's just a very realistic approach. We showed you the Montreal lineup. They're pretty deep all throughout when you have Brendan Gallagher playing on your third line. That's pretty damn deep. I, I am a little bit worried. That's why my prediction was kind of erring on the side of Leafs Nation, but um, I think it's going to be a very good, very tight hockey game. We're going to need Jack Campbell to probably bail us out in that game, to be quite honest with you. But let's see. I'm excited for Wednesday, ready to go again. I'm no longer upset. Um, can't say I'm super optimistic, but at the same time, I'm ready to go. Let's let's see what this team's got. 
Yeah, and at the end of the day, as our catchphrase says, made by Leaf Fence for Leaf Fence. So we really hope you enjoyed it. And on behalf of GM Houghton and Bretsky, thank you so much for watching. We would really appreciate if you could share it on whatever social you use. And all the best for game one. And we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for watching.